Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find us at authormagazine.org. My conversation with Natasha Dion is up there. Inspiring woman, inspiring story. Cool conversation. She's a bright light. I encourage you to check it out. Check that out. Uh, We are also funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. We're supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. We're going to have a good conference coming up in uh, September. Uh, September of this 2022, and it's going to be live, barring, you know, uh, COVID complications, but hopefully it will be. And we'd love to see you there. I'm going to be there teaching a lot of other cool people, so go check it out at pnwa.org. Speaking of teaching, I'll be teaching this Thursday. I think I said Saturday last week. Uh, I don't know. It's Thursday, April 14th. I'll be teaching Fearless Writing online with Writer's Digest University. And then again on the 28th and two Thursdays after that, Fearless Marketing. So if you think you'd like to go check that out, you can go to my uh, my website. Right there on the front page of my website, williamkanauer.com. You can sign up for it. Okay, today's guest, ooh, Caitlin Barra. She is interesting woman, debut novelist. Uh, she earned her BA from Colorado College and her MFA from New York University. Uh, her work has appeared in more than a dozen publications, including Catapult, Day One, The Forge, and Hobart. She's a former bookseller, but she currently teaches uh, creative writing at the Writer's Circle, and she's, her debut novel is a good one called A Novel Obsession. Really fun, interesting person. We had a great conversation, and uh, well, I'm glad I get to share it with you now. Enjoy. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, you're a published author. You're a published novelist. You have published some stuff, obviously, prior to this. Or not obviously, but you have. But this is book number one. Congratulations. Thank you. I know. Book number one. It feels kind of wild to have finally reached this moment, uh, this post-publication moment. I thought it would never come. Well, yeah, it's kind of weird. So it dropped on the 15th. So it's been out for, as we record this, it's been uh, three weeks. It'll been a month when this goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you wrote short stories. You wrote and published some short stories prior to this. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, this wild thing, but um, a novel obsession is actually the first novel that I ever finished. <laughs> um, so it's the first, wow. yeah, the first novel I ever wrote, the first novel I ever finished. I'd written a very bad novella in college. I mean, okay. I'm probably being a little bit too self-deprecating. It was fine. I was in college, um, right. but it was not, it was not of the quality that I, that, you know, I felt could be in the world. Um, you were, I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, come on. I was 21. I knew yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can be done, but yeah. you know, the book is a, I don't know, is a reason a lot of people writing them are actually closer to my age than yours. Not completely, right. but there's a reason. There's a lot of, so let's back up a little bit. So, uh, I get the feeling, uh, I bet you were reading a lot as a young person that you just, yeah, that's two of most writers. You, you strike me that way. Was writing always sort of on the horizon or was that something that developed as you got into high school and college? It actually was always on the horizon. I feel like I have a unique, I mean, maybe not a unique background, but, um, I come from a very artistic family. I come from a background 
filled, filled with writers. My grandfather was a playwright and a comedy writer. Um, he wrote sketches for television uh, for decades. Wow. So fairly successful career, which, I, you know, I grew up sort of seeing him as a professional writer and thinking, wow, being a professional writer is actually possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is, you know, having a role model like that growing up was hugely transformative for me. Um, my father was a journalist, uh, both freelance and then later he was the editor in chief of an environmental magazine. So he was steeped in literature and steeped in writing and narrative and storytelling. My mom was a songwriter. My grandma was a poet. Like, oh it, my, my uncle God. Was a fiction writer. So I had this very strange upbringing filled with people who told me that writing was something you could do as a career. Um, and so I was always a huge reader. They read to me all the time. And as a very precocious six-year-old, I decided writing was what I was going to do as well. Um, and here we are. So. Wow. You know, my kids have grown up with two parents who write and they yeah. probably, you know, take it for, but that is very unusual. They're just most writers. And I know a way too many of them just don't know anybody who else is an artist often often yeah you know, no. let alone a writer so that it was a tremendous privilege to, to be surrounded by that kind of energy well well could be was could also be a burden could be a burden of like uh, i'm not good enough or this because it all depends on the family some are weird about it you know it's, yeah. it sounds like yours were supportive they were incredibly supportive. And, you know, I think, I think the book, um, the book that I, that I wrote, Novel Obsession sort of uh, talks about that, what the sort of pitfalls and the privileges of growing up in an artistic family. And in Naomi's case, my protagonist's case, it was much more of a burden than I think it actually was for me. Of course, I, you know, I struggled with my fair share of insecurities. And as you predicted, the feeling of, am I good enough? Can I actually follow in their footsteps? Do I have anything right. to say? Yeah. Um, so there were, you know, there were definitely some ups and downs in sort of being able to own my identity as a writer and, and feeling like I deserve to call myself one. Yep. Um, but I was, yeah, I, they were incredibly encouraging and supportive and <laughs> I have nothing, yeah, I have nothing bad to say about, about that part of my childhood in case they're listening. Not yet. <laughs> you know, every parent just waits for the other shoe to fall, <laughs> but no, they sound great. And that's wonderful. And I will tell you psychologically, even though and I hope our listeners are hearing this, this is a young woman who parents were all so she had, didn't have to get over the hurdle that like that's something other people did, which I right. think, you know, like you, when, you, when you I follow sports and there are athletes whose fathers were professional athletes. So it's a whole different relationship to it. Right. Because right. there is a psychological thing of just like they're real people. They get up. It's not because for me, writers were these mythical figures because I never mm -hmm. met them. I only read them and heard about them. And it was not yeah. until I started meeting them that I said, oh, right. They just like the rest of us here. So <laughs> that must have been helpful. But you still have to deal with your human, human feeling of like, who am I? Exactly. Right. Like you just you just putzing around the world, getting coffee <laughs> and like. Exactly. Want to hear from me? And so, um, did you? When you said, "Okay, I want to be a writer," but writer is a broad term. You, so you've got a grandfather's doing comedy. Your father's a journalist. Your mother's writing songs. All these things are writing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, when did you train your arrow towards? I ah, see. I don't know what you call yourself. I I would call this literature, but upmarket literature. I don't know how. Yeah. They, is that fair? Yeah. I prefer, actually, I do prefer upmarket than literary because I feel like, you know, I don't think I wrote a commercial novel, but I would be very happy if it reached a commercial audience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I wanted to write a propulsive, entertaining novel, first and foremost. 
No um, problem with that. <laughs> but that was that was the goal anyway. Um, but I feel like, you know, so many of the novels that I admire are like these really beautiful character studies and really, you know, have so many psychological layers. So I sort of wanted to uh, somehow combine those two elements. But don't you think, see, I think this, if you're a writer, if you, if you understand you're a writer, I do think you start reading differently sometimes, sometimes, yeah. which is like, you can't help, like I write songs now. And so I always yeah. loved music. But yeah. now I've been writing songs for a little while. And it's like, oh, look what he's doing. Like, I might not love the song, but I like what they're doing. Kind of, you know, I, I might that. not listen to it in the same way. So weren't you at a young age? I know I did this as a writer. Like, oh, that's a, what a way to handle the interior monologue. That's really, you, I can't help but be fascinated just with writing, which is oh, very okay. different than just being caught up in a story, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that was sort of a, the best um, and most useful part of my MFA program. And, you know, I'm definitely not of the camp that every writer needs to, to get an MFA. That is fully not true. Right. But I really enjoyed it because it, it helped me read like a writer in the way that you just described. I had wonderful classes where we only talked about craft. We all read the same books, came in and sort of tried to deconstruct how an author pulled pulled off a particular right. plot point or... Right. How they built that character, uh, how they built that sentence. Uh, and that was incredibly instructive for me and exciting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At some point, you got to do it, don't you? Because you you don't want to imitate, but it's awfully like, I mean, I remember reading, I was 17, I guess, maybe just turned 18. And I read Love Song of Jail for Proof Rock by DSL. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. oh, you can do that. Like, I did not understand what he would, until what you could do with language in a simplest, almost simple way. So I read that particular poem and it just it literally that changed the way I wrote. I mean, it was a young guy, but it changed it. So it's very helpful. So you're reading along. OK, but you were but you knew you didn't want to write science fiction or fantasy or because there's all kinds of stuff. Well, you can write. No, it's funny. I really do feel like the content of my work changed over time. I mean, this is ah. uh, this is something that I have been admitting more often lately, but I was a very intense horse girl growing up, like completely obsessed. I can see it. <laughs> You've got horse yeah. girl hair. I've got horse from there. It's fully, it's fully a thing. Um, and so I feel like growing up, all the people in my immediate vicinity saw me as both a writer and this like incurable horse girl. And I was always talking about horses. Are you competing? Yeah. Were, you, were you doing uh, dressage I or? Yeah, I, I evented. So it's dressage, cross country and stadium jumping. Oh, it's you did. Wow. I loved it. I wasn't like, you know, but interestingly enough, I wasn't that good. Like I was a competent rider. I think I was a brave rider. I loved getting on the problem horses and like figuring them out, but I was never a beautiful, graceful rider in the ways that, that other riders I knew were. Yeah. Um, so I think there was a part of me that had to figure out early on that that wasn't a career path for me. It was something I loved and was passionate about and, you know, has actually proven to be incredibly important for this period of my life where it, everything's so cerebral. I'm always in my head and right. kind of horses don't give a damn what is going on in your head. They need you to be present with them and, and to sort of to communicate with them through your body. So it's been really helpful to kind of bring myself back into my body in that way. But to get back to the writing part, I only wrote about horses for like the first really? um, 15 years of my life. Like all my stories were about like girls and their horses. And really? I read like wow. all hundred thoroughbred uh, books in the thoroughbred series, which was all about, I read like all the saddle club books. Like I was obsessed. I am not familiar with this oeuvre <laughs> of fiction, but it I, doesn't so surprise cool me it's out there. Oh my God. It's a whole genre um, okay. <laughs> and the various shenanigans they get into, but right. uh, over time, I just, you know, obviously 
I think most writers write about whatever they're currently obsessed with in life. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as I grew up and moved away from home and, you know, encountered more people, traveled more, just lived more life, um, I became just way more interested in people rather than in horses, at least on the page. Um, right. So, yeah. You like Jane Smiley? She's combined them. She, she has. She She's really totally combined. Shocked me. Yeah. I know. There's, I feel like there actually are um, a larger amount of, of self-proclaimed writerly horsewomen at this point. I'm really excited to read um, Courtney Mom's book. Uh, I, think it, I think she just wrote a memoir about rediscovering um, horses uh, in her adulthood. And uh, there was an anthology that came out last year called Horse Girls, edited by the electric literature editor, Halima Marcus, that I really enjoyed. Um, hey, maybe horses will find their way back into, you know, hey, I'm writing a memoir now about my love of a particular role-playing game. I did not think I would ever write about that. I was like, you know what, though? I think this is, so you never know. You never yeah, know. Yeah, I think it's important to sort of like write about our weird, quirky. Oh, yeah. Um, so if that's the role-playing game, why not? Why not? But so this is about relationships. Uh, okay, wait a minute. For the listeners can't see it, but there it is, a novel obsession. This is obsessive. Yep, very good. And um, deals with relationships. Women relationships, male, male, female relationships. That's the, I mean, it's about a lot. It's also about a writer. All right. It's about a writer living in Brooklyn who went to Colorado for school. And uh, I don't know where, and he's a bookseller. And um, so I, you know, there's some similarities there. A few. But but that's fine. You know, why not? Um, But here's the thing. Do you, I was thinking about this because it's about relationships and women usually are more drawn, not always, but more drawn to write about, like are really interested in relationship. Men will write about it too. Yeah, I, I shouldn't say they don't, but they, they'll be less inclined. They'll be, I think, is a general rule. Were you, did you start, because, you know, you get to a certain age, relationship becomes a thing. Love relationship, your intimate, your friendships become like so important. Did that start bubbling up as something you got interested in when you, as you got older, just in terms of there's a lot of right material here? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, when you move away from home and suddenly feel like you're right, you're, you're making friends and you're meeting people like independently of your family life, you know, yes. it is that yeah. sense of moving into adolescence and then moving into adulthood where you're just navigating the world independently uh, for the first time. And that comes with a lot of hiccups sometimes that comes yeah. with relationships that go sour relationships that are unrequited um just yeah I mean it runs the gamut of like every kind of relationship you could imagine and I definitely was incredibly interested in just the dynamics between humans and how you know complicated every single relationship we have is even the most uncomplicated relationship we have under the surface there's always something going on um and there's just things that go unspoken that go unsaid and I've just always wanted to sort of get underneath that and get to the bottom of what's unspoken and what's unsaid in relationships, uh, whether or not they're platonic, familial, romantic, right. sexual, like any, any, anything goes. Um, but yeah, I think I would say, you know, and, and I hope, I, I feel like even, you know, I mean, you were saying that women are more interested generally in writing about relationships. I don't want to get in trouble for that. But I think it's true. I, I think it's true, but in terms of content, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't, if I'm proven wrong, I don't care. That's yeah. Fine. But interestingly enough, I, you know, I would sort of say that any novel that's ever been written is in a sense about, about a relationship. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Regardless of, you know, who wrote it or what time period it's set in or, or how much action. And if it's on space, if it's in right. space on Mars, like relationships always sort of drive us. Our, our relationships drive us. I have to admit, I, I've been married. I've been married 
30 years coming this July. And so, but I, but I'm always interested in the male female relationships. And I like one of my favorite books. I've kind of stories I get to read now because of the job I do that I wouldn't have probably are books that involve romantic relationships between man and woman, but it's written from the woman's point of view. Cause it's always a glimpse, you know, it always, I mean, even though I've been in lots of relationships, I, I like that other view of, of the, what it goes on inside because of how similar it is to my own thinking in the end. Do you ever go through that? If you read books told from the man's point of view in terms of understanding that dynamic, because we live through our own experience and biases and fears and Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's probably why most people read, right, is to sort of understand different perspectives on similar situations, because, yeah. you know, ultimately, like, there's so many universal experiences that we all have, but we all, we all come at them and perceive them through our own very specific lens. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love reading, you know, like, I would love to read a really romantic novel um, about, like, I would love to read my own book from Caleb's perspective. Right, like, right. <laughs> boyfriend character, like, and, you know, maybe someday that's, that's sequel. I mean, a lot of people are like, write a sequel from Rosemary's perspective. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think every story has, you know, could be told from a different perspective, essentially. And, and yeah. yeah, I've definitely been drawn to stories that feel very familiar to me, but are told from a different perspective than, than the perspective that I feel uh, that I most identify with. Now the cat, the protagonist in this is uh, she's like you. She'd written a couple short stories, and she's but yeah. she wants to. She's starting a novel, and <laughs> her choice of subject matter is very meta. It's <laughs> a little little meta, but you know she didn't feel she had a story. Finally, she found she believed she had subject matter for a novel. Did you yeah. go through that yourself writing? Because a short story is one thing, because you can kind of with a short story kind of hold it in your kind of hold it in your head. But a novel, you can't, I don't think, in that way. It's too big. No. And so did you, this was the first novel you finished. Mm -hmm. Did you Did you have to feel like you were waiting to be ready? What allowed you to write this? How, what told you you were ready to do it? It's a really good question because I'm not sure it ever, I don't think I ever had a light bulb moment. I feel like because I was writing short stories for so long, that was what I was comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and I had never really had the sustained energy and momentum uh, for a novel before. I, even the novella that I wrote in college was really a slog. Like I had to drag that to the very last page and I could barely, I barely made it over the finish line of hundred pages. So I think I just hadn't stumbled upon an idea that I thought could sustain my attention yeah. for the amount of time that a novel requires. I mean, I think, it, I think this novel has been my like most long-term relationship. Um, yeah. Oh, totally. I've been thinking about it for far longer than I've, you know, than I, than I've been dating my partner. And, and so it's, <laughs> It is like my spouse at this point and my baby. It's a little bit weird. Um, That's right. No, it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, but I think when I wrote the first chapter of this book, the first chapter came out pretty identically to what is actually printed in this book. Ah, okay. I always began with that first scene of Naomi watching Rosemary from across the street and then following her home. That has always sort of been that first, that first image for me and that first bit of action. I wanted to sort of throw readers right into the stocking right off the bat, which I thought was fun. And I, that first chapter, just like, it, it just flew out of me that, that first day of writing this. And I just kept coming back to the story and kept tinkering with it and kept being excited by it. You know, I obviously hit some road bumps along the way because who doesn't when you're writing a novel, but um, this was the first time I was genuinely enthralled by my own idea. Um, in, in oh, that's, oh, that's everything. Yeah. Um, so that, I don't think I, I don't know like when that will happen again for me. I'm hoping. Oh, it'll happen. Hey, you know, what's good about this. You've recognized it's sort of like, um, you know, I was, I absolutely think of books like 
a, a spouse and a child. Have yeah. you had both in that you, you're going to, you got to love that book because you're going to reach a point where you get into an argument and you're not getting along and you better love each other or else you're not going to get to the end of it. You like, and you fell in love hard with that first chapter. Cause it was, see, I was just thinking about this. Um, I was listening to an old interview with Bob Dylan who said, I, I only write songs that are easy. He said, I don't, it never comes out well if it's hard. If it's not easy for me, I'm not going to write it, which is sometimes contradicts what a lot of artists talk about the hard work. But I do think there is something to be said for what comes easiest. That there, that, that yeah. doesn't mean the whole thing in a novel. I don't think the whole, it's rare that a whole novel, but there is a sense of like that it was ripe and ready to come kind mm. of. You know, That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, if you're forcing an idea, it's probably not going to work. Um, um, and you can tell when a writer is forcing it on the page. You can tell if like they know what they wanted to say, but had no idea how to say it. Or right. you can also tell when a writer is trying to teach you something, but doing it in this very like contrived way. Um, even if what they're trying to teach you is fantastic. And that's even if right. Like, I, you know, I find a lot of books, a lot of books I've read and encountered in the past decade, you know, are clearly like ideas driven and and very important ideas are explored, but they just didn't find the avenue to at least successfully, in my opinion, hold my attention and remind us that like, you have to populate your ideas novel with characters that we can relate to. And if we can't relate to, then at least find compelling in some way. Um, and, and so that was sort of also like my goal with this book was, um, yeah, to just like try to hook a reader early and keep them and, and hopefully keep them till the very end. Yep. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I, I wanted it to be fun. I needed to like every day of writing this book was not fun. That would be a complete and utter lie. if I said that. <laughs> um, but I think like every time I had renewed excitement and energy around the book, it was genuinely a joy to return to it. Um, and like, if that had, if that had, petered out and fizzled fizzled out I probably would have had to pause or figure out what was going wrong see um, this is good because I, I coach and teach a lot of writers as as do you I know you're a writing teacher also and yeah. one of the things I focus on again and again is like craft and all that's very important but it's such a feeling experience and what I try to get my students focused on is what does it feel like when writing is going well what does it feel like when you're that should be the first goal because that tells you because if you don't feel that excitement that interest that flow state then you're in the wrong like you can't mentally and craft wise manufacture that you oh, know, should, right so it's like in your case if you were one of my clients which you aren't but if you were and, I, and there's, oh, I'm worried about my next book it's like remember what it felt like yeah that's what it feels like to be in love that's what it feels like to have a friend that's what it feels like that's the feeling you're going for. And don't fake it. If you don't have it, don't pretend you do. You yeah, know? no, it's a good advice. And it's a good reminder. I probably needed that reminder today as I, uh, you know, wander through the thicket of my next idea. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's really important. It's really important to remember that. All right. So you're published novelist. Yay. Hooray. And you've gone out and you've done some uh, live events. Uh, you're right there in Brooklyn. This is so hipster reading uh, literary. Oh, it's good though. Why not? You might as well be better than being out in the middle of nowhere. Who, <laughs> no one's reading, right? So there is no nowhere everywhere somewhere. I'm sorry, but there you are in Brooklyn, ripe with readers and you've done some events. So what's that like? You, I'm sure you sat in on some events. You worked at a bookstore, you watched yeah. them. You're always yeah. there thinking maybe someday. And now it's you. So how was that? The events were wonderful, honestly. I mean, I think there there was definitely some nerves going into my app, my first launch because I think you know I had yeah. built this I had built this day up in my head for so long that I yeah. just them that I was in front of an audience and you know I think I am a fairly like animated public speaker, but I definitely. I find myself sometimes disassociating when I'm facing a giant audience. <laughs> so I was definitely um, at moments 
you know, whatever I was about to say would just completely leave my head. And then I would just pull it out of my butt at like the last minute, um, which was very much a relief. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, just the, the feeling of looking out into a crowd and seeing so many people who knew that this is what I wanted since I was very small um, that came out to support. It was just incredibly moving to me, incredibly beautiful. Um, I had like my elementary school teacher in the room, with my grad school friends, with my college friends, with my high school yeah. friends. It was just, it was like a big love fest. And that sounds incredibly cheesy. No, right? no, 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 no. That's what it's um, like. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, I, it reminds me, I've had that event. I've also gotten married. And I remember that day we got married. I was like, this is great. Everybody yeah. I love is around me to celebrate this thing. Person yeah, I love. This is great. Didn't all occur to me until I did it. Like, yeah. All my friends were like, Katie, this is basically your wedding. And that's I was right. Like, God, I guess it is. You know, I don't know if I'll, <laughs> I'll ever gather all these people in one place again. Um, it's going to be hard to beat. Yeah. But so that was, that was wonderful. Um, and I think, you know, every event subsequently has been wonderful as well. And I, but ironically, I think I've become more articulate at speaking about the sure. Book. Sure. Ever since then, and just being able to, to feel like, okay, actually, this is what I really want to say about the book. Whereas right. that first time you're sort of winging it, it's your first time, you know, talking about it in public and it's still so fresh. Um, but, you know, every event I do is like a great opportunity to just chat with people, whether or not it's a podcast recording or a live event. It's just, it's fun to just be able to talk to people again, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, yeah. virtual or not about, about something that is really important to me. Um, and hear about their writing life. And I, yeah, yeah, I've had some just really like wonderful, unexpected conversations at all that's, these events. See, that's the great joy of, I mean, cause I, you know, as you know, I mean, publishing is great. Money is great. Seeing it in the bookstore, it's great. Yes. Nothing will ever, I, in my experience, having done it a few times, you just, nothing replaces the writing of it, which is still like the most engaging, but the conversations, because the book is a conversation you had yeah. with yourself in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then oh, the like, reader yeah. continues that conversation. It's quite lovely. And now, and now I would imagine, so you had the big love fest and we all have had those. It's great. But then eventually you have it with a room full of strangers, right? Right. right? Who didn't yeah. all just show up because they, they knew you when you were 12, right? Nothing yeah. wrong with that. We all need the friends thing, but the <laughs> event with strangers does happen too. Totally. I right? haven't fully, like, I, I guess there's, it's, it's interesting, actually, I had a hometown event. Um, so like I grew up partly in Manhattan, partly in Westchester County, upstate right. New York, or yeah. an hour upstate. Of, uh, yeah. And I, you know, I was ironically, like in my local paper, the paper that I saw that. Yes. I saw, I saw. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, which it's not the New York Times, but I was really excited about hey, it. I was hey. like, wow. You grew up reading that paper, probably, yeah, or looking at it. I did. I grew up reading it. I actually had a column in that paper when I was in Ooh. high school. They wow. sort of they, they selected a couple high school students to just sort of write about what was going on in, in, in our lives at the time, which, you know, wasn't much, but, but <laughs> like a lot at the time. Um, so I had that column. And so it was just really kind of beautifully full circle to be featured in that very same newspaper. And I guess um, several people in the town without knowing me directly um, came out to my hometown event simply because I think they wanted to support a local author. Um, you know, a lot of people are coming up to me and saying, oh, you went to school with my daughter. Do you know her name? Right. This is her name. And, you know, sometimes I would know their daughters, but sometimes I wouldn't. Um, and it was just a really lovely experience because they they were strangers in a sense, but they were all there because they they were curious. They wanted to support, you know, local people. So it was an, it was an interesting um, kind of crossover between people that yeah. felt like family because they were from my small town, but also were very uh strange strange they were all strangers to me essentially well so. right now right now that book is out there busy 
like a magnet attracting readers, people who have never met you, who found the book. Of course it is. And so when the next book comes out, they will be the ones who will come because they'll say, I want to want to see this person. I read her first book and I'm reading it. That's what's happening right now as we speak. <laughs> it's just it's all attracting. Very say- exciting. Very exciting. Uh, you know, I, I so I, I assume things are simmering down a little. It doesn't, you know, you don't, you're not usually on that ride for too long before you're just back to oh writing. Goodness. I don't think, I don't think we could all <laughs> handle the sort of the, the energy level for too long. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, as you said, it's now, it's now for the readers. Like I, I'm ready to let it go. Um, and ready to sort of let it navigate the world on its own. Are you now, I know what I think about this, but what about you? Are you going to read the reviews? Have you, have you been ignoring oh, them? Yeah. How do you, how do you handle that? <laughs> I think that I need to have some sort of, um, I need to create like some sort of device that slaps me in the face every time I try to um, log on to Goodreads. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it's interesting because I'm curious what people are thinking and saying. And then you stumble upon something really lovely, someone who really understood what you were going for. And it gives you that jolt of, you know, yeah. adrenaline and dopamine. But then you see the person who totally yeah. missed it and just wasn't for them. Because like, I can't blame readers for not enjoying it. You know, everyone has subjective taste, but occasionally yeah i think i think i will soon have to really restrain myself because it, it, it is occasionally painful um hey, you live by the sword you die by the sword it's sort of like you know yeah. i i am so against it i have to say i've become the, <laughs> the more because i've read them you know and, I'm, and, proud. I'm i'm proud of you that's well you know that takes i was talking it was andre debuse i love andre he's a great writer and we were he was said and he it took him into his 50s where some he was talking to some fellow writer she said oh i don't read him he says you don't she said, no. He said, mean, I don't have to. She said, no. He's like, good, I'm done. Because because here's the thing. You know when I realized it? I'm gonna, I'll tell a quick story. I was reading a really good, someone written a blog about one of my books and she was loving it. It's like everything you want to hear a writer say, oh, I was reading along. And I started feeling something that I thought was excitement. And it wasn't. You know what it was? It was fear. That? It was fear. Because mm-hmm. I had handed over the value of my work to her because she was telling me it was good. Therefore, I believed it was good. And I was like, it is no different than reading criticism. It's it's, And it's just like, who was that great painter who painted the? I'm sorry, I'm on a roll now. But she, no, no, that's a really good point. She wrote the the the, the painted the skulls in the desert. What's oh, you know, um, she was a great painter through the 40s and 50s. Any George O'Keefe, George O'Keefe. She said, oh, I decided for myself, and now praise and criticism go down the same drain, and I'm free. Hmm. Ah! That's a really incredible line. And yeah, and I think ultimately, like we're the only we have to raise our own standards and consistency. That's right ourselves but no it's a really good point like you're still approaching praise and criticism with the same like anxiety tell me if i'm good enough right yeah yeah it's really that's also a good thing to remember that i hadn't considered yet so thank you well you know this is when you because the thing about write short stories is one thing but you don't get as feedback you write a book and people will give you so much more oh absolutely the short story world like there you know there are so many people out there who you know do read short stories religiously and and are sort of like at least on twitter you know it feels like everyone's reading short stories but it's it's a minority of readers and so you know the the exposure that you get is not even a fraction of, of the sudden exposure that I'm feeling having written a novel that is out in the world and at bookstores. So yeah, it's going to be a learning curve for me for sure. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. You can do it. You got the smarts. You got the instincts. You can uh, do it. I think so. <laughs> Thank you, you can do it. Oh, for sure. You can do it. All right. Listen, Caitlin, uh, I could talk to you for a while. You're a very interesting person, but I got to let you go. You got, you got more things to write and things to pr- promote. But so two things, first of all, people want to learn about you. Where do they go? 
Uh, well, I have a website. Um, ah, good for you. Yeah, my name, my first and last name.com. Very okay. simple. CaitlinBarish.com. <laughs> All right, good. CaitlinBarish.com. And that, so, and, and if, if you, if people want you to zoom into their living rooms so where they drink Chardonnay and eat brie, will you do that? I would happily do that. I would love to watch them drink champagne and eat brie. And okay, I, will, I will come prepared with my own champagne. And I could. So you do book groups. You're willing to do book, uh, um, virtual yeah, book groups. Doing a book group next week, actually, which I'm really looking Excellent. For. All right, good. Have fun. All right. But I got one more question for you. I got one more question. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish this sentence. If writing, all the writing you've done in your whole life has taught you anything, it has taught you what? Be honest with yourself. With yourself. With yourself. Be honest with yourself. <laughs> yes, or with myself. Yeah, no, no. Whoever Not... I'm speaking to needs to be honest in order to write. Yeah, be honest. Yeah, it's true. Actually, she's right. That is, uh, that's always a good formula. Sorry, a little abrupt ending there, wasn't it? Well, yeah. It's all right. It's okay. Uh, so be honest, people. Tell the truth. It's enough. It's enough. It's dramatic enough, interesting enough, moving enough. It beautiful enough. It is okay. Thank you to my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you to all of you out there. And uh, hey, I may not be doing it next week. Uh, I think I might be serving on a trial somewhere. If, but, but no worries. I'll be back. I'll be back. And until then, go find something you love to do and do it.